Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. We've got absolutely loads for you today. We've got the opening week of the county championship. Peter Hanscom joins the show to give us the inside track on one of the great county championship upsets. Mark Butcher shares his views on the development of young English spinners and Wisdom India editor Adya Sharma will run through a genuinely thrilling week in the IPL. I'm Yazrana and with me in the studio today is Ben Gardner and back from his gap year travels. Cam Ponson me. Cam, you've had quite the winter. Run us through where you've been. Oh, thank you for having me back. I, I'm actually, I'm going to be honest, I was quite disappointed yesterday when you messaged me because <laughs> I thought you were just happy for me to be back and then you're like, oh no, can you come on the pod? And I was like, a bittersweet invitation. Uh, no, it's been amazing. I was off in Australia. Uh, I basically just followed England around. So I was in Australia for the T20 World Cup. I was in Pakistan for the test series there and then I was in New Zealand for that series. Um, it's been a bit of a surreal trip and... Yeah, I don't know if I'll get to do it again, but mm. hopefully, hopefully. What was the best venue to watch cricket in? I think Mount Monganui was the nicest. Um, but if I was to go back to... No, it would be Mount Monganui because it's just what you want cricket to be when you think about there's the banks, there's kind of these beautiful views. You see people kind of having eating and drinking on the boundary's edge. And then there's just test cricket happening in the middle. Uh, that would be the best. I mean, but then like Multan is just... Multan will always live so kind of fondly in my memories now for being the most kind of crazy place I've ever been um at the time it was quite stressful and I was quite happy to leave but now I look back on it and I go I miss it yeah I liked with Wellington that you could see the local McDonald's in the background as the camera panned out um anyway let's go to division one in the in the county championship favorites for the title Surrey and Lancashire played out a draw at Old Trafford Cam Steele playing in place of Will Jacks as Surrey's middle order spin option scored 100 He's playing ahead of Amar Verdi and Dan Moriarty in the spin department. There are hundreds of Ben Folks and Josh Bohannon as well. We'll hear from Butch in a minute about the opportunities out there for English spinners in April. But you can see why teams insist on their spin options being able to bat, especially at this time of the year. Matt Parkinson did take a third innings, Pfeiffer, but that was a sorry sort quick runs ahead of the declaration. Ben... So with Surrey in particular, last season it was it was very interesting that Jax was their main spinner, but he's now not playing, and Cam Steele, who's not got a great first class record, he's still in the team ahead of Verdi, who was highly talked about a few years ago, and Dan Moriarty, who was a favourite of Rob Key two years ago before we got the England job. Yeah, I mean, and one of the difficulties with talking about this is that you see so little of these spinners, like it's it's genuinely like a like trying to spot a rare bird or something that um, you, you can almost, it's so difficult to talk about. Like we, we have no idea really what kind of state Moriarty or Verdi's bowling is in. You kind of hear whispers here and there. You get to see a little bit in, in practice. Maybe you put on a second 11 stream or something, but really you have no idea how, how good these guys are. And then when they, when they get a go, invariably it's either in conditions which are really tough for spinners to bowl in, which is really tough when you're not getting to bowl much to begin with, or you're getting one game a season and it's like a, a raging turner and all of a sudden you go from being not involved in the squad at all to having to be the main man for like one game. And it's a, a, a really tough thing to do. And you can say to like, I mean, Verdi especially was, he was so highly rated and he, he played such a key part for Surrey at certain times and is now so far on the fringes that you wondered, you know, does this guy need to go somewhere else to somewhere he can be more of, of the main man but then where where is that really I mean Somerset you know for a time would be maybe some of West spinners would would look to go uh, and yet now it's not the turning 
paradise it once was and now and also back when it was uh spinners who did well there okay Bess and Leach did get called up for England but their records would be looked at with a bit of like a you know a sort of a raised eyebrow saying are they that good there's, there's kind of almost no no way to to win if you're a young player and I don't know how you go about sort of building the skills to be a test match spinner because the the tricky thing is is that from Surrey's point of view and you know they're coached by Gareth Batty who is a champion of of spin bowling at least he was in his, his playing days and is now you know they basically haven't picked a specialist spinner for about you know two years almost um and yeah it totally makes sense they don't I mean Will Jacks did exactly the role they wanted him to last summer I think he bowled the third most overs of anyone average 50 with the bat um and average about 50 with the ball as well and yet that was that was what Surrey needed because they realized that if you can bat deep um then that's what's going to win them games it's what they've gone with from Cameron Steele so from a competitive point of view and we want the county championship to be a competitive thing first and foremost uh like there's no blaming sorry for what they're doing and yet I don't really know where that leaves young spinners uh trying to to make it in the game um Dan Senior who's uh, what Wisdom's uh, social editor had a good idea that just as they do with with fast bowlers they, that this they almost do this so they don't get picked so much they put them on pace bowling development contracts but they should just be spin bowling development contracts basically and you almost silo off these spinners maybe get them off up to to Loughborough or wherever it may be and get them under the, the tutelage of a proper spin coach all year round and that's actually how you're going to groom young spinners because the current system basically isn't working for it I guess there was someone told me in kind of an anecdote about Ollie Rayner and um, the person who was telling it to me was was a parent and their kid was an off spinner and they're down by the boundaries edge of a county game or whatever and the parent kind of shoes off their child like, oh that's Ollie Rayner go and have a chat and the kid goes and gets the autograph and the parent's like go on then ask him for some advice and he goes like come on my son's a young off spinner like what should he do and Ollie Rayner just goes oh you, you want to be an off spinner do you learn to bat like that's that's the reality of the kind of current day and age and as Ben's saying if you were sorry why wouldn't you have someone who can bowl a bit and score you 140 at seven rather than have Amar Verdi at 11 knock everyone up a position in the order I think the thing with Verdi is the idea was he had the kind of best individual off break but was he kind of able to hold did he have the skill set of a Red Bull spinner over time like I think he went to Somerset for a game last year I got the card here like 25 overs not for 121 like but at the same time, like if you, Ray and Ahmed's come through, if you're good enough, I think England are very proactive in, in picking you. So I don't think, I, I don't kind of, I'm not concerned from a kind of a holistic point of view of are people coming through if Moriarty and Verdi aren't playing because Surrey are doing very well and have literally developed England's potentially next second spinner in Will Jacks. And I guess also, if you're if looking from an England point of view, you only need one, right? So... Actually, you don't care if like most counties don't have a spinner because as long as one or two counties have a really good one, then you pick one as your first choice spinner most time. And then when you get to India, you also pick the other one and that's kind of fine. Yeah, I think Jack Leach might just play for England forever, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Like, he's just fine. Yeah. You, you, you pick him, you're like, all right, that's okay. Like kind of one Leach in the hands worth kind of like two Parkinson's in the bush. They're like, what? there's no one's that much better than you. So if we just plugged you in, you're going to get two for 80 off... 27 overs all right yeah I, I guess I guess on the Rohan comment he he isn't a product of the county championship he played for England after a couple of games basically I think it's a bit of a shame that the spinners aren't evenly spread out across the 18 counties so Leicestershire who didn't win a single game last season have Rohan Ahmed who's got a test match five for at the age of 18 and then um, Callum Parkinson who's the leading English spinner two years ago doesn't get a game because Rahan's come through, it's like you should spread them out a little bit more evenly. Let's go to Butch to hear his views on the development of young English spinners. Our YouTube audience will be able to tell that Mark's not where he normally is for when we do these calls. Butch, it wasn't as low scoring a first set of games that it could have been for a round starting on the 6th of April, especially with how much the weather affected preparation. I wanted to pick your brains, though, on what it might be like to be a spinner at the moment why is it harder to bowl spin this early in april um well there's lots of factors really um first and foremost you know the, the, the seamers are supposed to have uh hold sway be most effective at this time of year so captains naturally will, will turn more to their more to their seam bowlers at, um you know at pivotal points of play or ba- basically just you know because the conditions say that that is going to be more effective than spin um, on a conditions level, 
because the, the pitches have got that much more moisture in them or there's more live grass on them, there is no <clears throat> no grip or turn for them, um, you know, meaning that it's much, much harder to, um, you know, to, to pride batters out or to stop them from being able to take liberties because you're not getting any side spin on the ball. Um, and, you know, and thirdly, I guess, it's, you know, just temperature. Uh, you try to, you, you notice how your fingers don't work so well doing up buttons on a coat um, or something when uh, when when the temperatures are cool. Uh, imagine trying to spin a, a hard lump of, uh, of shiny leather uh, when your fingers are, 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 uh, are frozen. Not easy. So all of those factors combined uh, mean that it's unlikely that spinners will have much of an effect at early season. Uh, I mean, look, that's always been the case. Whether you, whether you started, you know, I remember, remember starting sort of the last week of April um, back in the early part of my career. And, and and the same was still still the case, really. And the only spinners really that actually managed to get anything get anything done, or were actually of much use to to captains and teams at those, were those that had a, a tremendous, a really fabulous command of you know of, of where they were landing the ball and and the the amount of different ways they were able to get it there. Once the ball lands, there's not much you can do, particularly if there is no spin. But your command of line and length, your command of flight, has to be has to be absolutely exquisite at that time of year in order to be able to be of use enough to stay on in a spell for your captain, perhaps mm -hmm. to rest and rotate the seam bowlers or maybe even just nick nick the odd wicket here and there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy task at that time of the year for anybody, but particularly if you're not a master in terms of your control of line and length of the ball. Mm, I guess it's a circular problem in a way because in order to develop that command, you need to play as much as possible. And I guess that at this point in the year a specialist spinner is arguably not really needed for counties. I mean, uh, England go to India um, next winter. And last time they went there, they took four young spinners either in the squad or on Tories reserves. Uh, Don Best, Matt Parkinson, Amar Verdi and Mason Crane. Two years on, Best hasn't been in England squad for a while. Parkinson has had a tough few months and he's no longer guaranteed a spot in the Lancashire eleven. Verdi is fourth choice spinner at Surrey. Mason Crane doesn't play in the championship for Hampshire. Um, you can see why, you know, at Surrey, Gareth Batty, of all people, puts all-rounders like Will Jackson, Cam Steele ahead of Dan Moriarty and Amar Verdi. It's just quite hard for spinners to get that game time, almost. Um, at Leicestershire, Callum Parkinson was the leading English wicket-taker a couple of years ago. He's not on the side because of Rahan Ahmed. Um, it's just quite difficult for those talented young spinners who are identified at a young age to actually get the game time in order to develop that control that you talk about. Yeah, it, it is pretty brutal. Um you know, the, the opportunities that these guys have available to them outside of the English summer, however, mean that, that you know, again, I just going to stress the idea that the, 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 the control and the ability um, to be able to land the ball exactly where you want it to is something that is within your control that you could do indoors. Um, you know, obviously game time, very important and all those types of things. But having having that sort of the, the mastery over what the ball is going to do after it leaves your hand is something that you can you can take on board and, and make better, um, whether you're playing in April or not, or whether you're bowling much in April or not. Um, you know, and, and going back to the opportunities, you know, the, the winter times, the, the amount of cricket that is available for people to play, you know, whether they go to India for, to, for spin clinics, whether they play um, grade cricket in Australia or New Zealand, um, you know, wh whatever it is that you can do in order to have the ball in your hand 12 months of the year um, are all things that you can that you can have in your, you know, in your per it's because it's personal. You know, it's a brutal business being a spin bowler. A bit like being, you know, the only wicketkeeper in the, you know, in the side. There's only one of you most of the time. Um, and so therefore, you, you, your standards for yourself have to be unbelievably high in order to take advantage of any opportunity that might come your way. Um, you know, the stru structurally, the the time of year is is not great. I don't think it's great for anybody, but um, that, <laughs> that unfortunately is where we are. Um, what what then happens later on in terms of development of these of these players is I, I I get the feeling that quite often these guys are kind of fast tracked before they're ready, and what happens is that their confidence gets dented not because not because they haven't worked hard enough, but because they weren't quite ready in the first place. They then get, take a, a huge hit in terms of their confidence. You, we've seen it with spinners. We've seen it with Don Betts. You know, the, the fact that you can get the yips, um, you know, certain nasty gremlins will appear in the mind, which then make it very difficult for the body to do what you want it to do. And hence why we see a lot of guys who get got, get brought in early as sort of like the next big thing, then find it very, very difficult for themselves over a two or three year period before they mature and then, 
you know, get get more of a mastery of what they're up to. I just try, yeah, trying to understand going back to your generation. I think that there were more players who um, did pretty well, more spinners who did pretty well in international cricket in in your era. Swan, Panasar towards the end, Giles and Tufnell. How do you think those guys got to that position to be reliable um, at international level? Well, I mean, Swan, Swan and Panasar is, is a is a really good example actually of two guys who were who by the time they got their international chances were that little bit older. Um, and they played, you know, Northamptonshire was, you know, a, a terrific place to bowl spin for quite a long period of time in the, at the turn of the century. Um, you know, they'd leave, leave grass on in the middle and, and shave the ends and, and, you know, try and bring the spinners into the game um, that way. But, for, but, I mean, Swan Swan is an example. I was going to bring him up anyway, because one of the things, I, I get regular phone calls and emails from Pat Pocock, took over, you know, a thousand first-class wickets for Surrey, played for England. Didn't have a terrific record as, as a test bowler, but had a fab, fabulous first-class record. Um, sort of bemoaning the lack of specialist knowledge when it comes to, to coaching spin. Um, and, and that's an area that I think is a massive problem. I mean, Graham Swan has been trying to get himself in in and around sort of England spin bowlers ever since his retirement. And, you know, Swanee, only Swanee will know what the reasons why that they've not been quite so keen to have him about on a regular basis. But having having genuine, genuine expertise in what is a very, very high specialist um, area of the game is something that we've been very, very slow um, to slow to bring in. Um, you know, you think of the, the, the work that people like Bruce French have done over the years with, with England's keepers, turning turning batter keepers into brilliant wicket keepers because of the close proximity to somebody that really understands the art. And I don't think we've ever taken spin that seriously. Um, and so, therefore, the people people who do have the knowledge, people who are, um, you know, high quality coaches, whether they come from overseas or whether they come from within our system, and that's why I bring up somebody like Swanning. Um, you know, th- th- these guys should be these guys should be employed on the payroll and, and doing doing good work with all of these young talents because. Um, you know, there, there is absolutely no reason why spin is still very popular. You know, kids want to kids want to bowl it. They want to become great leggies. They want to bowl doozers, whatever it might want to be. But what they don't have access to often enough is, is people who really, really understand the art, understand the mental um, side of it um, and can sort of mentor these guys and turn them into turn them into fabulous bowlers. And then, the, you know, the, the last part of it is, are you as driven as somebody like Graham Swan or Monty Panasar, you know? It always comes back to you as a, as a, you know, personally in terms of how far you're willing to go, how much of a, a you know, a change you're willing to make, or how much work you're willing to put in. Um, it's very difficult to escape that side of it too. Well, I'm sure that plenty of young English spinners would probably prefer to be bowling where you are at the moment with the palm trees in the background than out on the cold uh, in a county championship in April. Um, cheers for your time, Butch. Catch you next week. Make live streaming cricket a breeze. Are you or your club looking to live stream your cricket matches this season? If so, look no further than Sport Radar's Frogbox streaming kit to turn your fixtures into a professional quality broadcast. Frogbox is the all-in-one streaming kit that makes broadcasting live cricket accessible and affordable for clubs, schools and leagues. Designed for recreational cricket, the Frogbox solution is the lightweight, portable and affordable product designed for clubs of all levels. Integrated with the Play Cricket Scorer app, all you need to do on match day is set up the portable video capture kit and live score the match on the app. The automated technology will take care of the rest. Stream to YouTube with high quality graphics, generate highlights of your greatest moments and connect with your community like never before. Frogbox professionally showcases cricket at any level while offering new revenue and fan engagement opportunities for clubs. The automated graphics package has multiple displays and advertising opportunities available, engaging the end user and delivering high quality visibility for your corporate partners. Capture those special moments with automated highlight generation and join the streaming revolution with Sport Radar's Frogbox. Visit their website www.frogbox.live for further information and start reimagining the digital match day experience this season. When we were doing the pre-season preview last week, I really didn't want to discount Hampshire and Essex, even though they might not have the strongest batting lineups around. Partly because in rounds like this, when there aren't too many results, they're the best placed team to get them. So Hampshire beat Notts in a fairly low-scoring game, and Essex beat Middlesex in a similar game at Lords. Um, on Hampshire, Mohamed Abbas was superb. He took a six foot in the first innings. He averages less than 17 since joining Hampshire. And remember last year was supposed to be a particularly high scoring season. Um, Cam, you're out there in, in Pakistan for the test series. Given some of the bowlers picked ahead of Abbas 
uh, for Pakistan in recent times. Is he not unlucky not to have played Test cricket more recently? Uh, yes. So Pakistan's selection for the Pakistan series was kind of in spite of themselves because if everyone remembers, we played on these really flat wickets. There was the Rao Pindi track and they picked a lad called Muhammad Ali and he bowled 70 mile an hour seamers and I remember when we, the first time I saw him, he was opening the bowling and you're kind of ready for this kind of big boy off a long run, kind of how quick is it going to be? And he was just so slow. We're like, what is going on here? He was picked off the basis of in the domestic competition, they'd been playing on green tops. And then for the test series, they took all the grass off and playing on these flat tracks. So there was space for Mohamed Abbas to be in that kind of team. It wasn't like they went opted for different bowlers and opted for raw pace. I got forwarded quite a fun anecdote about Mohamed Abbas, which was on WhatsApp, so it's 100% true and gospel and must be taken as such. I don't know, journalistically, I don't know if this is amazing, but it's fine, we'll carry on. Um, <laughs> I'm so really looking forward to this. <laughs> part of his deal at Hampshire is he's got like the, the premier penthouse suites in the Hilton that overlooks the ground, basically. And um, I already love this anecdote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Man City were playing Southampton away last week, and um, Man City was staying in the Hilton, and City put in a request if Pep Guardiola could take Abbas's suite off him for like the three, two nights, or whatever. And, and Hampshire went, no, that's Mo Abbas's suite. Pep, you go down, you go down the hallway, mate. So that's, that's the regard he's held there. If it's true, no idea, but I want it to be. doesn't answer the question about whether he should be playing test cricket, but... Yeah, I like, I like the idea that Pep Guardiola would have had to have someone explain to him who Mohamed Abbas is. Like, <laughs> mate, he averages less than 17 in the county championship recently. No guarantee um, Abbas knows who Pep Guardiola is. I think. That's true, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, also, the thing with him as well is he is just so accurate that actually, almost a bit like Anderson on flat pitch, okay, I'm not putting Abbas in this quite the same bracket, but the way that Anderson, when he's not in the game, you at least know it's almost like a spinner. Like, he's not going to go for, for any runs. Um, and Abbas can do that. So yeah, it is just... It is just all. I guess they. Uh, what, so one thing, just I don't. I don't feel the need to defend Muhammad Ali too strongly. But I spoke to uh, Paul Nixon, who was his coach for a bit uh, last winter, and saying that quite a lot of the players got quite a raw deal coming to that series because of how grueling Pakistan's first class system is. It's basically like four days on, two days off for so about even six worse weeks. Than yeah. Is okay. So so, and I think Muhammad Ali bowled almost the most O's out of anyone. So came there and was basically like a husk almost, and then turns up to Raul Pindi. Uh, so uh, there's no guarantee that, you know, Abbas would have been in the same sort of condition as well. But yeah, I mean, he's a brilliant bowler and I'm sure Hampshire will be quite happy if, if Pakistan stay away for the time being. Mm. And Ben, it was a very good week for a similar type of seamer, Jamie Porter. He took nine wickets in Essex's win at Lords. Middlesex were four for four in their first innings with those all those four runs coming from no balls. And then they were four for two in the second innings. Um, Porter's not been quite his best in recent years, so it was... Nice to nice to see him return to what we know he he can produce and did produce for a very long time. Yeah, and these are the standards you you kind of you have to compete with. Like when you're talking about Abbas averaging what was it just under 17, and Sam Cook has been at that same sort of level. I think that's like it's it, so you, it's it's a weird situation if you're a very good county seamer where you can come out with numbers that in any other context would be excellent, and yet you can be a bit disappointed with yourself. He's spoken. 2020 I think this was with the context of him having not been picked in that England 55 man training group and saying that well last year's I last year I picked up 49 wickets which is you know one of the most in the country uh but I didn't feel like I bowled that well and that's that's the odd thing is that you play so much cricket and if you're fit enough you'll take lots of wickets and also the ball is sometimes the pitches are helpful enough that you can just take wickets by not doing a huge amount I think the the feeling from this game was that Porter was absolutely at back at his best and at the you know the level that made him an England contender back in what 2018 uh, and you know Middlesex yeah lost what six wickets for eight runs across the the uh the two first innings and there, there wasn't a loose shot in there it just seemed like excellent bowling from Porter and from Cook and then obviously Harmer carries it on and and if, if Porter is uh you know he, he's had a few years where his numbers look good but the the as he's had those other those other bowlers who have out bowled him but if he is back to that level then they're going to be really really hard to beat and just on Essex's chances Dan Lawrence scored 100 in the first innings and he had a pretty quiet year in the county championship last year really good 100 here on not not the easiest wicket in the world to bat on he also hit what I think is a not only a contender for shot of the season but I actually don't think he's going to get beat over the course of the summer, which I know is a big claim for April the 12th, but I, I'm going to stick by it. I don't think the individual highlight of the shot currently exists 
online. It was on the county championship um, Instagram story for 24 hours, but it's no longer there. But basically, Lawrence hit, um, came down the wicket and hit Toby Roland Jones over extra cover for six. But the ball was so far away from his body, he did really well to adjust last minute to whack it over the extra cover boundary. Um, it'd be an interesting summer for for Lawrence. Cam, he he was in the New Zealand squad, kind of to the surprise of a lot of people. And you wonder with the the rise of of Will Jacks, you can kind of imagine Lawrence. You know, he averages 36 in first-class cricket, but that, that's also what Ben Stokes averages in everything. You know, like, you can imagine Lawrence almost reinventing himself down the line, not as a number four batter, that potentially somebody bats six, seven, bowls a bit off-spin. Well, England have kind of... The reason Lawrence is still in contention is England have kind of reversed that old cliche of it's not how, it's how many. For them, it very much is it's how as well as... And how many doesn't matter as much, basically. And um, Lawrence... Stuart Broad actually spoke about him just kind of at a complete tangent during one of his um, press conferences talking about the environment he said Lawrence was back in the group and he, I think the phrase he used was his eyes were on stalks and just looking around being like this is amazing this is so much fun to be a part of I really want to I really want to play test cricket for England I think that's part of what kind of the whole McCullum Stokes mantra is is they want to make it a really desirable kind of like Almost, I don't mean boys club in the traditional sense, although maybe I do. Like, they want to make it almost a closed shop where it's like, if you play for us, you get all these perks and it's amazing. And so I think it's quite, maybe it's too simplistic to put one and two together and say Lawrence had that experience in New Zealand and went, I desperately want to be a part of this. And then first innings, first match back gets 100. But it's quite a convenient kind of connection to make. And especially with, when you mentioned that shot, the ball before, I think it'd been an LBW appeal, like quite close. And just kind of, I'm so interested by these players, like their thought process of about when to kind of launch these attacks. And Joe Root, Root did it with, because you remember Root got in trouble for, he'd go out reverse scooping basically. And he had two, he spoke about two different ways of the, when he chose to play it. So the first one was New Zealand to hang the ball outside off stump. So the only way, they're not challenging my stumps, I can have a go at it. And the only way I can get out is if I glove it and get caught, which is what happened. And the second way one he did, which is kind of made me think of Lawrence in this instance, was he said, I was worried I was going to nick off and they had slips in place and I wanted them to get rid of a slip and I wanted them to put in a third man. So I thought if I reverse scoop it for six, they'll have to lose a slip basically. And that kind of uber aggression to then kind of put the emphasis back on the bowler. Because if you look at that innings, his strike rate wasn't particularly high. And then just out of the blue, he goes, I reckon I'm going to run at him and put him over extra actually. And that is that kind of... It is that how that England are looking for because he, he was back in the test squad having not played any cricket. So I wonder whether it was almost a selection of these are the guys we like and have see potential in. Let's get him back in, kind of give him a bit of a taster of it. And well, so far it seems to be to be working. Yeah, and he had a pretty good tour of West Indies, which was the last series before Stokes took up the captaincy. And I'm, so I'm I'm sure that Lawrence would have impressed Stokes personally. Yeah, I mean we we saw that 91, didn't we, in, in Barbados as a Ducam. And obviously the heartbreaking last over dismissal. But now that wouldn't matter. Now they'd sort of laugh it off and Stokes would be sort of, you know, giving him a noogie or whatever at the end of the day. Uh, I, to be honest, I think, I don't know if he'll invent himself as an all-rounder. And obviously there's not, I, I doubt there's going to be a vacancy for a specialist bat in that top six for a while, or at least below in the middle order. But also, you know, England have an all-rounder and a captain who has significant injury troubles. I would be actually quite surprised if they get through the summer with the top six the same in all six test matches just because of of how things have gone with Stokes in his career so far and at that at this point I think Lawrence pretty much is the next man in in that top six I mean Jax is probably not quite at that level yet so actually if Lawrence can just do enough to keep himself at the front of that queue then there is a, a chance he plays some Ashes cricket this summer because injuries happen as we see you know it can be a long-standing knee thing or it can be you know a freak thing on a golf course the subset Warwickshire game ended in a draw after the first day was washed out about an hour or so before the scheduled start um, there were hundreds for Warwickshire uh, through Sam Hayne and Alex Davies not a huge load of runs from Somerset's new look top order with Sean Dixon Cam Bancroft and Tom Kohler Cadmore added to the top four. There was a win for Kent at home to Northants. They won the toss, sent Northants in and bowled them out for 117. Zach Crawley scored an important 91. And then after Rob Keogh and Gareth Berg frustrated Kent in the third innings, Ben Compton scored a fourth innings 100 to see Kent home. 
They're a fascinating opening pair, Crawley and Compton. Crawley is the man who plays for England, easy on the eye, without the numbers to quite back up the talent yet. Compton is the guy who waits in an age for a domestic opportunity and is racking up obscene numbers. He averages 58 in first-class cricket. I know that he's played a fair bit in Zimbabwe, but that is quite something. Ben, you, you thought the way that Crawley went about his 91, which was really, really important in the con- on the context of the game, w- was quite interesting. Yeah, well, so that, that 91, it wasn't just a 91, which obviously I can feel that, you know, the, the Crawley detractors screaming, saying like, how can you be talking about a guy's 91, you know, when uh, all the evidence we have. But it was a 91 when no one else in the first round of the game made it to 40, I think. It was also one made, you look at the eventual strike rate and it's, you know, around hovering around 50. But he was he was eight or forty three at one point. He really got through the new ball, and then he he took on the the bowlers thereafter. And at that point, you're thinking like, okay, like Crawley's he said all this stuff about you know my defence is good as anyone's. I don't need to work on my defence. Uh, I need to basically just keep doing the same thing. But maybe something has actually clicked here. Has there been there, there, there have been just hints that there is this other player in there, the the guy who can who can get through the new ball and then can can flourish and again if you're Dom Sib listening to this you're thinking like how can you still be talking about his 30 odd at Old Trafford last summer when I played you know loads of those types of innings for England and never got the uh you know the credit maybe I was due for them but I think with Crawley there is the upside that if he gets through that period he can be the guy that then you know kicks England on then you see his dismissal in the second innings when uh, I can't remember who the, who the ball is Chris, Chris, Chris Tremaine, Tremaine. yeah and and you know it's okay there's a chase but the run rate isn't an issue uh, and he's, it's the, the, the second over of the innings, I think, and he comes down and plays one of those sort of like weirdly angled batted shots, uh, those drives, and it goes through the gate and it bowls it. And you think like, you just you just did it in the first innings. And it almost feels like sometimes there's the, the, the pressure builds and the pressure builds, pressure builds, and then he bats properly and does well. And then it's like, it's almost like an I told you so innings, but like, not to sound too much like Roy Keane, but that's his job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like a... <laughs> Like, like you can't just, you can't just, you know, if I came into work and did nothing four days out of five and then the fifth day I was like, oh, fine, stop, stop, stop complaining. I'll, I'll do some work today. And then was like, see, it's not that. It's that, that like the face of the new ball is always going to be hard and you might well always have to bat, battle through it. And there's the signs were there in the first things that he could do it. And I guess it would just be following it over the season. Yeah, besides in his test career as well, I think the... I go back to it a lot, but the innings that have most impressed me other than the 267, obviously, are actually the innings where he's knuckled down through quite a difficult period. So he has scored a very normal opening bat test 100 against West Indies last year. The, the way he started in that innings against South Africa, that was, that was really old-fashioned test match opening batting, getting through a really difficult new ball spell uh, late on the first day against a really good attack. I can't believe Ben's been nice. I thought Ben, I, I was losing my mind. Ben was being really nice about <laughs> Zach Crawley and we came back around and I was like, here we go, I'm home. Um, home. Just, uh, what was your perspective of his tour of New Zealand? Because he, he, had, a, he had a really odd tour where just, it seemed quite I guess premeditated the, almost. The rules are just different for him. It's because his cover drive, it is so nice and I fall, it's just, it's such like a private school indoor net cover drive and I, and I love it and it really annoys me so much. But like he got, I was just looking at the card at, at Mount Monganui. He got, what did he get? He got 28 off 39 and it was in that evening session. He's got 28 runs and by all, all the reports were saying he goes back in the dressing room, massive slaps on the back, mate, amazing did your job like they were 20 for three last night we're 50 for one and it's like these these are they're kind of bending the rules of physics to kind of who they want it to fit and he he's given these interviews of like I want to be an entertainer my defense is good enough like he's, he's like really bullish and they're bullish about him it was a strange it's a strange one because basically however you look at Zach Crawley's numbers you just take any cross-section of innings he just always averages 30 it's always the same do you want to know my hot take for the summer? Go on. I think you've got to drop Crawley. He is the one who has to go. At I think what folks, point? Do you, think, do you think before the summer starts? Or do you, are, you, are you saying what you as soon think as will happen or what you think should? Okay. So Bairstow in. I think you want to move it around as little as possible. You're not going to move Pope from three. You don't want to move Root from four. Brook and Bairstow five and six folks at seven. Stokes. Yeah, I, I think this as well. I, I mean, so you're clearly not listening to every podcast whilst you're, whilst you're abroad. <laughs> but uh, that, that, that's what I think. Um, Phil made a really interesting point, not on the podcast, about uh, an insight into what McCullum will think about opening the batting base in his own career. McCullum basically just went, whilst his captain decided, I'm, I'll open. 
And, you know, a player like McCollum, really not that far away from uh, what Stokes is like skill set wise. He opened the batting and did a really good job at it. I think there'll be conversations being had about how, how Stokes could do it. I guess the only thing is with Stokes' knee, they don't want to put too much pressure on it. Stokes, we'll get to the Stokes interview he did with Nasser Hussain the other day in a second, but Stokes talked about really wanting to be that four-seamer for the side as well. But against that, he, Stokes is also talking about, and this is kind of when it starts to go in my mind, like, oh, is this actually a thing? Is He's talking about wanting to be this kind of sacrificial leader. He's like, He speaks about, I don't really want to, play for myself anymore I'm not bothered about that I'm not bothered about my average I want to kind of enhance the careers of others and so if in in the current shape of the England team there is a role that if it's not going to be cruelly someone a square peg has to go into a round hole and that fits the rhetoric of um of what Stokes is saying and also this idea of like cruelly being backed to the hilt the kind of, I'll keep on using this word, the kind of rhetoric around Crawley and Bairstow has dulled in both directions. Like Bairstow was 100% in ahead of the Pakistan series and after New Zealand, McCollum goes, oh, well, like, we'll see what happens. And the same with Crawley. We back him all the way. Well, you can back someone all the way and not pick them. You can still say, we think you are the seventh best batter in the country and we think you're amazing, but there's just not space for you. Like, there's, I don't think either of, I don't think Crawley for all his backing so far is guarantees a place in the side. I really, really don't think that's the case. Moving on to that Stokes interview, um, some absolute gold in it. He's, he was asked by Nasser Hussain explicitly, if England are 2-1 up in the series and 300 runs uh, ahead with a couple of sessions to go on the final day, would you declare? Stokes said yes. Um, he also very bullishly talked about how he wants fast and flat pitches because they want to score quickly which you know I think that is those are the kind of pitches Australia will want to play on as well Ben what did you what did you think about that when you when you saw the interview uh, oh I, I don't think any aspect of it surprised me really um obviously the the declaration thing is is the most eye-catching I suppose uh but I guess I mean this this, this is just this is just what the rules are now I, but I, I and I also think that it's Look, if you're an England fan, this this the, the perspective I was trying to keep in mind that that there obviously are England fans. And we saw in the people talking about that thing on social media, there are England fans who won't want England to do that. Like, sure, entertainment is great, but it's the Ashes, and you win the Ashes, and that's the most important thing. But this Stokes talking like this, even saying that, like this isn't Stokes declaring. This is Stokes saying he will declare. This makes it more likely that England will win the Ashes because the worst thing that can happen in the Ashes series is you're really worried about losing it. So you lose the first game and all of a sudden you've lost it 5-0. And the main thing, well, well, not the main thing, but a key thing that England's uh, new approach does is it means that one loss will more more rarely become two losses because you can bounce back from it much more easily because you don't care that it's happened, basically. That will be hard to take in the moment for England fans who, when a team loses, they want to see, you know, gnashing of teeth and letting of blood and openers being, you know, thrown on the scrap heap and that sort of thing. But in the long term, this will lead to England winning more games of cricket. And I guess we'll see what happens if in this mythical scenario, England... I mean, also, for England to be 2-1 up, they'll have already had to draw a game and that, that can't happen. <laughs> so I think we might, might not have to worry about this one. Cam, what did you make of it? You, you just can't argue with it, can you? Like, he's saying 2 plus 2 is 5 and we're like, all right. Like, <laughs> like, like, what do you want me to say? You can't form a c- coherent argument against that. You're like... Well, He's like, we want to win everything. And it's like, well, no, no, you've won the series in that scenario. It's like, no, no, we, we want to win the game. And it's like, well, but that doesn't... Okay. But it's just, I mean, it's this kind of power of personality that means we've all, forgive, we've all forgiven the fact that they lost by one run in Wellington. Like, that was one of the worst test match losses of all time. It was, like, catastrophic. And I, me, me included, was like, God, that was fun. That was amazing. <laughs> and... um. Like they declare, they they, they enforced the follow on for no like, particular reason. It was the, they enforced follow on because it was the fastest way to win. I I asked McCollum that after the series. I was like, did you enforce the follow on because you thought it was the best way to win or because it was the fastest way to win? And he's like, oh no no no, we thought it was probably the best way to win just like the way the pitch was moving, getting extracting a bit of like seam. And you're like, no, shut up, like, no like it's just a high progressive. Is that, is that what you said to Brendan McCollum? That was those are actually my exact words. <laughs> then you go back to the transcript. Um, this is kind of, it's always the high progressive option and it's that kind of blurring of best and fastest and England kind of 
for for them like quantity is quality like the more the faster it is the bigger it is the better it is the more exciting it is and you can't back down from that mantra and because it's so powerful you just can't disagree with it Mm, it's a good point because yeah you're entirely right that actually England batting on would have made a victory more likely not less likely there there are some decisions which make your um your odds of defeat less likely but also your odds of victory less likely and this wasn't one of them um and yet in that interview that Stokes is with NASA that match with New Zealand isn't mentioned like can you imagine like at, at any other point in history as you say you've just not you've played a classic test but you've lost from like a what should be such a An position of strength position yeah and 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 the question like this it's not even a question of how will you bounce back from this it's like well we've already seen that you've kind of you know you're out on the outfield smiling even if they were slightly sort of I don't know. Did you feel there were slightly forced smiles from Stokes and McCullum with the, in the in the presentation? I, mm. um, I don't think so. I, I genuinely think they, I genuinely think they don't care, but in like a good way. They're just like let's just have fun, and that is kind of going back to the kind of Dan Lawrence example. But it was just, I didn't, I didn't believe when they said like Jimmy was smiling. I was like, I think you'd be like gutted, and like in that moment, you really want to win. Like Folks was gutted as well. Folks was eight runs away from locking himself in for the Ashes, basically. But to go back to the whole, like, the enforcing the follow-on, going into the game, there was debates over whether the seamers were fit. They just It's back-to-back test matches. You've got the whole kind of broad Anderson. They're both 78 million years old. And then you enforce the follow-on. They've they spent 210 overs out in the field. Like, you can say, oh, it's great for the game, etc. But if you're Jimmy Anderson or Stuart Broad, you probably look back on it and you go, I actually probably would have preferred to not do that and risk xyz injury that was the other thing as well i thought was with the um with the selection for it like they didn't pick ollie stone but that's one thing in this interview was trying to glean because stokes says i think i've got my 11 locked in for the first game of the ashes but then as he talks on your rose he hasn't quite like bearstow is there's still a question of a bearstow and he's saying that i think they're right if, if they get the fast 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 flat wickets they want they will go with two seamers two of robinson broaden anderson i guess and one of archer stone or wood um, but we don't, they, you know, it could rain for two weeks in the lead up to a series and then you don't get the pitch that you want. Um, so that, that was just interesting, just trying to work out what team England will actually go in with. I think that, that would be their ideal bowling combination, but it will depend. I think my, that was my interpretation of that. When he says he knows what my team is, I think he knows what the balance he wants is, not the personnel, because in theory, having Anderson, Broad, Woods as your three seamers is kind of the same as having Anderson, Robinson, uh, Archer. Like that's the same makeup of like having your kind of line and length seamers and your one rocket man, basically. Mm. Well, still uh, two months of Ashes build up to go. Uh, the Wisden shop has had a long-awaited restock of their cricket ball leather wallets made from premium Italian leather. The Wisden wallet is perfect for that cricket fan in your life. The touch and feel of the premium quality Italian leather and the distinctive cricket ball seam stitching are designed to give a tangible everyday reminder of the game we love. Exclusively available at wisdom.com forward slash shop. Um, as mentioned in the intro, uh, a great win for Leicestershire over Yorkshire. It's their first win at Heading Lease since 1910. Leicestershire didn't win a single county championship game in 2022, and it was an amazing victory. Yorkshire scored 517 in the first innings, and a big partnership between Peter Hanscom and Rahan Ahmed helped Leicestershire avoid the follow on. Yorkshire's declaration wasn't even that bold in the third innings. Um, in the end, they left Leicestershire needing 389, pretty much four and a half and over, which Leicestershire managed to chase down on that pretty flat final day wicket. Um, here is Peter Hanscom on that win, but also what it's like to bat with and keep wicket to Rahan Ahmed. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Um, how are you feeling after that win, chasing 400 against the title favourites on the last day? Uh, that's some way to start the season. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a impressive win, but what I think was the, the best thing about it was that it was there were contributions from everyone, um, both with bat and ball. Uh, throughout the whole game, uh, so it was it was really exciting to see sort of everyone yeah contribute to to such an impressive win. What was the chat like in the dressing room before you guys went out to bat? Was there anything from Lewis or Paul about going for the win, or was it just go out and play your natural games? Uh, it, it sort of took the win. Uh, we took the win out of out of our mind a little bit and just just said let's just bat normally. Um, the ball's there to hit, then then you hit it. Otherwise, it's it's yeah, just normal normal cricket. Um, at, 
And then we could always reassess. We had, I think it was yeah, 14 overs maybe before lunch. So we had a chance to see how we were, we were positioned after that. And then we could reassess. We were in a, we were in a good position. So that meant, you know, that, that next session we, uh, we could see, uh, see what happened there. And, and, you know, Colin and, and Rishi, uh, batted beautifully there and got us into, into a position where, you know, the win was possible in that, in that last session. And then, uh, then, then the conversation started happening around, around that last session. How do we, how do we go about this? You know, what can we chase it? in the final 10 overs what's what's sort of the plan and um yeah we sort of formulated formulated something and it, it pretty much worked out uh worked out pretty well and then when the second new ball came with five or so overs left um obviously that was an opportunity for yorkshire to win the game as well to, to make a breakthrough as well they're only four wickets away from a win themselves did you sense that that was also an opportunity for you guys to attack against that newer and, and harder ball yeah that was something we were we were speaking about out there is that that was going to be probably the the critical part um, of the chase in the end. Um, they were they were going to take the new ball to to try and create uh, create a few wickets um, and hopefully move the the ball around a little bit more. But by also selecting a, a harder ball, it was going to open up some scoring shots. So if we if we still trusted our our process and, and trusted the way that we were batting, then hopefully a few scoring shots would open up and, and that would get us close to the the target that we wanted. Yeah, obviously Chris Wright was, was brilliant at the end as well. Um, I just want to go back to the first innings. You put on a, a massive stand with Rohan Ahmed. Um, he's obviously made headlines with his bowling over the winter, but how impressed were you with his batting? What, what, does, he, what does he do so well for someone who's only 18? Uh, he's got a lot of confidence, uh, which is which is a good thing to have as a young player, but also as a, as a leg spinner. But um yeah with his with his batting he just came out and he just played his his natural game and i think um that was what was really impressive is that he he wasn't cluttered uh he wasn't worried about what was going on he knew where he could score uh he understood his process and how he was going about it and stayed stayed calm while he was out there and and doing it so it was it was impressive being at the other end and watching some of the shots that that he can play um you know he was he was he was square driving a few sort of off the back foot and then he could walk down and, and drive it, um, you know, through the onside as well. So uh, it's definitely an, an exciting talent coming through. And what's he like to, to keep wicket to? Obviously, not many 18-year-olds take five wicket hauls, especially leg spinners in test cricket. So we're all very excited about him here in England. Yeah, yeah, no, it was nice. It was nice keeping to him. He, um, he got into a really, really nice nice rhythm there, especially in the second innings uh, where it felt like he, he started to, to land it. Uh, exactly where he wanted and um which is it's an impressive feat by any leg spinner let alone a, a, an 18 year old leg spinner so yeah he's he's exciting and um you know he'll just keep going strength to strength the, the more he plays and the more games he gets under his belt and a bit more experience uh so no it's uh it's it's yeah, it's exciting to see what he'll do this year. And just just on your wicket keeping, is that something that you've um, you've asked to do at Leicestershire with a, with a view to potentially doing it down the line in international cricket? Maybe um, I saw you weren't keeping for Victoria in the Australian summer. So is that just something you want to do more of? Uh, that was something that that Leicester asked if if I was willing to do. Um, and you know, throughout my career, I've always always done a bit of keeping um, here and there, predominantly white ball. But uh, yeah, in the last the last Test tour of India. Um, if Alex Carey had, had gone down the morning of a game, then I was going to be the one that was going to put the gloves on um, over there. So it's it's definitely a good thing to have, um, you know, another string to my bow. But first and foremost, I've got to be I've got to be making runs and and contributing to wins with the bat uh, and doing everything right with the bat. And then if um, if the gloves can can help me get on get onto a tour as as a backup wicketkeeper or just you know help help a bit of squad balance like it here is like it is here at at Leicester uh, then yeah I'm happy to put them on. Um, I know it's early days, but how are you enjoying your your time at Leicester so far? Because obviously it wasn't that long before the start of the season that Abdullah Shafiq was initially going to come over uh, that you got your deal as well. Yeah, no loving loving it here um, so far. It obviously helps when you when you start with such a such a good win, um, but. No, it's been been very very welcoming. Um, you know, the squad are, are a good bunch of lads, and the and the coaching staff have gone above and beyond to to make sure that I've been ready with both bat and and gloves. So um, 
no, I can't I can't fault what what Leicester are trying to do here and and how they've helped me even just in those in those three days before the first game. Well, cheers for your time, Peter, and best of luck with the rest of your stint at Leicestershire. Ben, we had a few uh, comments from listeners last week saying that we gave Yorkshire too easy a ride on last week's pod. Um, it looks like we did. I know that there's a good attack on paper and it's a decent batting lineup, and there aren't really any standout sides elsewhere in the division, but that's not a result of uh, a team that looks like it's going to run away with the title. No, it's just, I guess you can look at their attack from a couple different perspectives, I suppose. I mean, you've got Ben Code in that sort of Sam Cook bracket averages 20. Uh, you've got Jordan Thompson, who slightly less in his, uh, you know, in, in his career, but again, similar sort of average. And you've got Matt Milnes, who a couple of years ago was the standout uncapped bowler in Division 1 of the County Championship. So from that point of view, you think how... how Don is, best played for England two, two years ago. Exactly, yeah. You think, like, how is that team not going to run away with it? And then you look at it from another point of view, you think, actually... Milnes is exciting, but averages nearly thirty with the ball, which isn't great for a counter seamer. Code, you just just you just watch him, and it's and it's coming down at you know seventy miles an hour, and you think like actually, if the pitch isn't doing much, our team's just going to be able to see him off. And then Jordan Thompson is in the team as an all rounder; he's not really a front line seamer. And and Bess sort of took a five on the final day, but but has struggled since being left out by England. So from that point of view, you can think actually maybe there are holes there to exploit. And then you've got at some point there will be a CDC sanction on Yorkshire. And just if, if that is a championship points penalty for this season, then that and a defeat to a team they would expect to beat is already a sizable thing to to make up. So I guess we did. But the York, the story felt like Leicester though, didn't it? Um, and that was just a great, just last passage of play. Because it, it was even quite late on, I felt that Yorkshire, that, that a, a win was quite far away. Basically, they needed, it was, I think, what, eight overs left? They needed about eight or maybe a bit under. And you think like, this this feels like a stretch with three wickets left, and Chris Wright played an absolute blinder. Mm. It was a yeah, great game of cricket. But it was it was a new ball, really. Mm. Um, they take Bess out, and I know Bess was reasonably expensive, but he wasn't super expensive. New ball, extra bit of hardness, and it's Chris Wright more than Hanscom, really, who who sets the tone, and they get there with seven balls to spare. Yeah. I'm I'm really interested. I think I'm more interested to know if it's an, an anomalous result for Leicestershire than I am for Yorkshire as well. Like day one, Yorkshire are 360 for three. And you just think, oh, here we go again. I was I remember thinking on that day, I'd love to be a professional cricketer, but I'd hate to play for Leicestershire. Like you just spend your summer fielding and losing. And then all of a sudden, they pull out like one of the great victories. I was also really pleased for Rishi Patel because I think two years ago now, Paul Nixon said, second mention of Paul Nixon. Um, Paul Nixon said he reckons Patel could play for England in four years. And so we're halfway there and he kind of, Topped it off with his maiden son. So part of the reason why Yorkshire scored 517 was young Finley Bean, who's only 20. He scored 100 opening the batting. He looked very good. I thought um, he scored 441 in a twos game last season. So he's highly thought of there. Um, and I guess it's, there's a, there's a new feel to that Leicester side. Um, it's not just Rishi uh, Patel, but Sol Budinger, who, who's come from from Notts. He, uh, he he bats at a good pace at the top of the order. And also they've got a young monster quick called Josh Hull, uh, who's six foot seven and 18 years old. He was on first class debut and took four wickets across the match. Elsewhere in Division 2, I watched a lot of Sussex's win over Durham. Uh, and again, Sussex had a really, really difficult season last year. Only one win in Division 2. And they'd beaten a Durham side that had an attack of Matt Potts, Bryden Class, uh, Ben Rain and Matt Kuhneman, who played in that Australia series in India recently. Um, so a seriously good result there. And also to take 20 wickets um, without Ollie Robinson in the side is something they, they struggled to do for a lot of last season. So that's a good win for them. Yeah, D- Durham were the side to, I think in pre-season, they were the side to most vocally, I guess it makes sense when Stokes is a Durham player, to most vocally say, we're going to play like England. And they did kind of win this game, I think, probably more than York- Yorkshire are close. They scored quickly in both innings. But the notable thing about Durham, I guess, is firstly, they scored like that with you know no one making a big score in the first innings make 376 at uh over four and a half and over and then second innings they were still scoring quickly despite collapsing to 189 so i mean matt potts said that um he's you know much rather lose than win and they've lost here and i guess that'll be an early test for whether that holds out or not i imagine it will for 
the first couple of weeks at least. Elsewhere in the division, Gloucestershire did very well to salvage a draw against Glamorgan after conceding a 250-run first innings deficit. And Worcestershire beat Derbyshire. Uh, new recruit from Yorkshire, Matthew Waite, scored 100 and took a fourfer there. Uh, not a good week for a couple of our ones to watch from last week's show. Josh Tung, who was one of Joe's picks, uh, went at fives over the game. And Kashi Valley, one of mine, didn't play. On to the IPL. As mentioned at the start, the IPL has been amazing over the last week. Two 200-plus chases sealed off the final balls of the game. Uh, Wisden India's Adia Sharma joins us from India to tell us all about it. Adia, we've had two historically brilliant games in the last few days. Uh, Rinku Singh hit five sixes off the last five balls for KKR against Gujarat to give KKR a stunning last ball victory there. And then yesterday you had a genuine classic uh, Virat Kohli was amazing in the power play then slowed down against spin in the middle overs. Faf Plessy and Glenn Maxwell put on 115 in eight overs, basically. And look now, chase down 213 despite falling to 23 for three in the power play. Niklas Puran hit uh, the third fastest IPL 50 ever, 62 off 19 balls. And then there was that crazy finish that involved a missed man cad and a hit wicket. So that game pretty much had, a, had everything. Why is this IPL so high scoring? Those were two 200 plus run chases, but in general, it feels like it's the highest scoring season yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, two incredible uh, last ball finishes. I was fortunate to be there, uh, you know, covering one of them. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It seems like, uh, you know, the scores are being upped, you know, high scoring games all through. I think 15 out of 15, I think 10 of them have been first innings uh, 175 and above. So that's a good percentage. Um, I guess the difference now this year has been that we are back to India, home and away format, more stadiums. Uh, last two, three years, um, you know, a season and a half we had in the UAE where there are slower pitches. Um, you were having games in two to three venues. Uh, last year also, it was the same due to, uh, you know, restricted to a few venues, uh, Mumbai and around. So I guess pitches were going slower. And usually you see in IPL also, um, the first half is generally a high-scoring uh, segment and then, you know, pitches get slower. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this time, the only difference I see is that, uh, you know, you're playing more games at Chinnaswami, uh, you know, which is uh, a conventionally high-scoring ground. There are games in Guwahati, that's a good surface. Um, even the Chennai wicket, which is usually, you know, slower, uh, even MS Dhoni was surprised. It's, it's it, you know, there's... Uh, it seems to be a fresher wicket, um, you know, more pace and all. I feel like there's been an attitude change as well. As you say, it's the first time that the IPL has been held in India with a home and away format in four years. And four years represents quite a long percentage of the history of IPL cricket, the history of T20 cricket. And I, I just wanted to mention some of the media commentary that I don't think you would have seen in previous tournaments. So... Harsha Bogle, you know, the, the the voice of Indian commentary, really, he's been very vocal about lost time with the bat, saying that it doesn't matter if you catch up later in your innings. If you're 15 or 15, whatever happens to the rest of the innings, you have already wasted those balls and you can't save that lost time later on. And Kohli received some criticism in a knock where he scored at a rate of nearly 140. That, that didn't used to happen. There seems to be a, a switch in how people talk about T20 batting. And I mean, I remember just two or two or three years ago, there was all this chat about David Milan and England's team. And basically people were like, well, it doesn't really matter about his slow starts because he catches up. Whereas now it seems like the conversation is now, no, it does matter. If Even if you do catch up, you have already lost potential run scoring opportunities early on in the innings. That seems like there's been a shift in the conversation. Yeah, you're right, actually. I mean, uh, you know, even the big names are sort of un in the focus now that, uh, you know, you can't just slow down. It's a different approach now. It's, as you mentioned, four years is a long time in, uh, you know, T20 history, in IPL history. So it's a significant change. And teams have also identified that, you know, you just need to go all out. Um, uh, given the amount of games that we've seen that are high scoring and being still chased down. So uh, it's a significant uh, shift for sure. And do you think that the impact player rule has, has made a difference because it essentially means that teams can lengthen the, the batting line up. They're essentially playing with 12, which means that if a team potentially is short on all-round options, they can get away with the lack of balance in their squad. So yeah, do you think that's made a difference? Yeah, definitely. I think theoretically it's a great uh, 
concept you know you are at a certain juncture in your in your innings and you know that you can have an extra batter depending on the situation you could have an extra bowler if needed but that extension of batting really creates a difference and we've seen that happen you know Rajasthan Royals bringing in someone like Dhruv Jurel who hasn't played an IPL game before and he comes in and you know smashes and then uh, you know other teams have also done that like uh, KKR sort of like swapped uh, and brought in Venkatesh Iyer who scored like 83 or 40 balls so that sort of a dynamic batting order definitely helps but I still think the teams haven't figured out the impact player as well so far uh, it's been pretty up and down. Um, you know, we still haven't seen the best use of impact player. A, a few teams, uh, I'd say KKR has done uh, decently well with impact player, um, LSG in parts, but no team has convincingly used the uh, the, the impact player um, as well so far. Do you like it as a rule? I, I feel like it takes away a little bit from the all-rounder, which I think teams should should benefit from having really strong all-rounders. It does, and it doesn't really feel like they get the same reward for... For having a player who who can bat in the top six and also be a frontline bowling option, I I do get where you're coming from. Obviously, uh, you know there's a better role for specialist players. Uh, you know you, uh, you can you can. But I I still feel that it's it's just made it more watchable. It's just more interesting. Uh, it's it's a tactic also that brings more interest into the game. Um, I also feel that uh, it's advantageous in a way that teams can field um you know um better players if they want to like you know on the field also just to to improve their fielding um you know uh, uh, that way and um i also feel that it it sort of expands the amount of people who are actually involved in the game that's that makes it very interesting for me uh, i mentioned uh, you know jurel before someone like a badoni who comes in in the second half and scores uh, these people might not be getting as many opportunities but now they are you know so there's more uh, i feel there are more roles to play and i i really like that but you're right all rounder wise the impact of an all rounder is sort of reduced on kkr i wanted to ask you about rinku singh so fans in the uk probably haven't heard of him before but 5 6 is off five balls to, to finish a game off is quite something. His numbers domestically are really impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rinku Singh has been around for a while. Um, and uh, the fact is that usually a lot of these uncapped players get attention uh, through the IPL. Um, somehow, Rinku hasn't played a lot of IPL, um, even though he's a very promising domestic player. Um, I guess it's to do with KKR also. I think he's been involved with only one team. Uh, you know, they've had a stacked up middle order. They've they've always had like, you know, Russell, they had Karthik in the middle for a while. They've they've got Venkatesh Ayer. Shreyas Ayer is not there this time. So I think this season, uh, there's more space for Rinku Singh to grow. And this is not the first time also that he's been doing so well. I think last year also, there was one game where he almost won them from an impossible situation, near impossible situation. He scored like 40 or 15, um, some 21, 23 runs in the last over. Um, he's always had power. It's just that I think now, given that the KKR team was a little depleted, there is a better role for Inku Singh to play. He knows that, you know, he's got, uh, you know, he's he has, the like, he's got the freedom to go there and, you know, score like he does. But, uh, yeah, obviously, interesting story. This is... Um, you know, proper actor, which is interesting a background as well. Uh, you know, he comes from a not so well off family, and he got that contract in the IPL, and he, uh, you know, he's been with KKR for like four five years now. So it's an incredible story. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Adia. Um, Adia will be joining us every week for the rest of the IPL tournament. So uh, we look forward to catching up next week. Um, and Ben, finally, to finish off the show, what is your moment of the week? Yeah, well, it's from the IPL and it's a bit of a bit of laws stuff, I suppose. Uh, it was the middle of the three one last ball finishes there have been in the space of three days. There was, wasn't one for the first eight days of the competition that they put fifty p in the script writers and uh, and now it's changed. Um, so this was this was in a way. I mean, the Rinku Singh one obviously stands out, but this was this was the most one that went, swung to and fro. I think, um, and it came down to that. There's been loads that already happened. There's been a, a hit wicket, uh, a bit of bit more chaos, and then. The uh, the last it's what should be the last ball of the game, one run to win, um, nine wickets down. Harshal Patel runs in, and then uh, whether he's premeditated, Bishnoi's out of his ground, or he just sees it, he goes to take off the bails, misses, and then turns and throws the stumps down uh, with Bishnoi still just out of his ground, as you can see on the replays. But the umpires wave away the appeals for uh, a, a, a pre-delivery run out, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, and then uh, they scramble up by the last ball of the game. And I, I was confused basically about why this was um, ruled, why, why the appeal was struck down. I had a, I, I enjoy reading the laws as people who listen to this <laughs> this show will know. And I had a, I had a close look. And do, I, do you have much of the laws left to read? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's more that whenever something happens, you find you have to read it in different ways to try and see what the emphasis should be and what you're supposed to understand. Um, so there's a bit in the pre-delivery run out section where it talks about what an umpire should do if the ball is not delivered and if there is an appeal and if there is not an appeal. Um, and I assume this was the former case because there was an appeal eventually. But actually, when he misses the first time, at that point, the ball is not delivered and there is not an appeal. So that's why the umpires say dead ball. I received clarification from the MCC on this. And the main takeaway, as I often say, is that cricket is lucky to have lawmakers who uh, are open to this sort of scrutiny and clarification and to have written laws which do eventually make sense if you look at them hard enough what a way to finish the show uh, cheers for coming in Cam cheers Ben this has been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast we'll be back next week for the release of the Wisdom Hour Sports Social Podcast Network